Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for another week of uh, digging out the best stories of the world of cycling just for you. And before we start, let me remind you that you can download this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash central or from our website, svs.com.au slash central. I'm Christophe Mallet and I'm your host this week. And for you today, I've got this. Michael Matthews is into the slipstream of Peter Sagan, but it is Christophe who's trying to be the king. Sagan, who's on target? It's Sagan who collects the hat trick. That makes it three. Yeah, an incredible victory by Peter Sagan. Three times in a row. We'll chat about this with the crew. And also, what was all about at the Rafa Clubhouse on Saturday? Well, you got to have a plan, and I executed the plan. It wasn't good enough. Uh, made the race super hard. It's the hardest secret of the whole year. But, um... I was here to entertain the crowd and I didn't really care about what anyone else was doing. So I sacrificed an aggressive race um, and I threw down two attacks and that's I knew I'd had two good ones, but the second one was about 50 metres, not good enough. Pacho will be here to explain to us all about it. But right now, let's get this show on the road. You're listening to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. And joining me in the studio today, I've got the usual crew, Sophie Smith. Hi, Sophie. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, Maka, back from Sydney, back from the commentary seat on this uh, World Championships. Yes, a big week for me. We'll get into that just a little bit later on. Come on, cheer up, mate. Uh, <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> and Pat? It's good to be back. Yeah, we had the uh, Zwift crit. We heard you in that intro. Uh, tough. It was tough, yeah. It was a really great night, though. Uh, Rafa put on a really enjoyable evening. Plenty of pain. And Jesus was hot. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about this at the end of the show. Uh, let's talk about this world championship. Sagan, incredible, incredible Sagan. What more can we say about him? He's brilliant. I love him. I think he's the best thing that's happened in cycling since Mario Cipollini for me. Uh, okay. Cipollini. And I, and I look at it not just from a performance perspective, but from a marketing perspective, you know. If only we had 20 more Peter Sagans, but maybe he stands out because he's, he's the one and only. Absolutely. So I like him. Let's have a listen of uh, Peter Sagan straight after winning this uh, third championship in a row. It is not easy, guys. So the last five kilometers, I said, uh, it's already done. It's gone. And after uh, uh, guys just changed in the front, after I tried to go in the breakaway, after uh, Gaviria tried to close, and uh, after in the end, we just came for the sprint. And the... Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, he's racing in home. Then uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm very happy to win again. <laughs> it's uh, unbelievable for me. Uh, third championship in a row, as we say, Sophie, uh, you've been doing a bit of a history. You said in the last podcast you're a history nerd. How significant is this? I said history nerd in terms of culture, not cycling. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot like that. Um, well, it's massively significant. No one's done the three consecutive titles in a row, I think everyone sort of was pointing their chips towards Sagan in the lead up, I guess. But for him to to pull it off and 
the way he did as well, he was invisible through that entire race. I don't know if I watched it differently to everybody no, else. he was. But I did not see him literally until that last corner or whenever the, the race came yeah. back into to, back I suppose into when view. you've won too. And he was you can, there. You can, you, can, actually, yeah. you can try and take that risk. I was going to throw that to you actually because you uh, uh, we talked about it uh, since then. But uh, how significant and how clever was he to just hide? And But was he the only rider able to do this? Well, he doesn't have the pressure. Well, it's a different one. He has pressure because everyone wants him to be the first to do three in a row. Uh, But he doesn't have the pressure because he's already won two. And he's probably going to go pretty close next year as well. But what he did, not only did he hide, but he made his move at the right time. If Matthews had have followed him straight away at 800 metres to go when he made his move up to behind Christoph, might have been a different scenario. But he waited. And at that time, Sagan had the ability to take that next corner at the perfect time, no interruption to his flow. Again, there's just no disruption to him. Everything just fell in place. But um, I really still don't understand how he came over Christoph. Christoph did not do anything wrong. And, and hats off to Christoph because post-race, he didn't sort of say the what-ifs and I should have won. He was really – he just he actually said, geez, you're bloody hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he said yeah. he thought he was going to be world champion with 150 to well, go. That's yeah. what he said. It was in the kick, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. When you re-watch it, it was literally in the last 10 metres. You were saying, Maka, in the race that you could not find him. Like Sophie said, you could not find him. But in actually calling the race, you were asking where the head is. Sam. Yeah, well, I said <laughs> you would have heard me then say to Matt Keenan – who are we looking for? And he reeled <laughs> off, I think, two names before that. And then obviously Maddie's onto it and he went Peter Sagan. So that that's the sign of a, a brilliant tactician and rider. And what I will say about Sagan, this was the hardest world champ of the three for him to win. Richmond, he blasted everyone away. He could have waited for the sprint. He didn't want to. Uh, Qatar last year, he came from the clouds with 100 metres to go. He wasn't going to win it, 100 metres to go. No. Cavendish had it. This year, he waited, 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 as you said, both he said, and he found his position right at the very end, and he got Christoph on the line by I called it a quarter of a wheel, you know, and he, and he used every little bit to win it. Interesting so. you bring up Richmond because look, I, I was really as good as he is. I didn't expect him to win. I thought you know there's sort of some of these things in history that just are not meant to be created, you know. <laughs> but he's done it. But about twenty five k's into the coverage, I slipped over to YouTube and thought I'll just have a look at. Sagan again when he wins in Richmond, he's winning. He, he's not so, so you watched it yeah. and you said he's I going to win. I watched it back and then I've gone, there's no way he's going to get beat. Yeah. What am I thinking? We because I watched back to Richmond and even though you know it's 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 a couple of years ago, you look at it and you just go, hang on, who's beating this guy? Like he just, he has that ability to to read the race. And, and we've, we've spoken a little bit before about his ability to entertain. And there was a period of time there where he wasn't winning a lot. There was a lot of second places, third mm. places, because he was trying to entertain. Or Just he relied like on people helping him. He went for a long-range attack in the Classics and he'd look around, he went too early, or he'd look for someone to help him and everyone was like, no, we're not helping you. So I think what Macca said about him just timing it perfectly, he wasn't looking around him thinking... Will I need a hand? It Roll was just dice, he kind he? of backed himself mm. maybe more than he has in previous years. And actually, Brady O'Donnell, uh, after the the coverage, said something I think right. She said he's got this ability as an elite athlete to relax into the race. He knows he can't control everything. He can only control his little corner and be the master of his corner. And mm. that's why he did. That's brilliantly put. I think that's he's learnt it though a bit too because he there was a period and you make a good point, Sophie, that when he and or both of you, I think he 
where he was finishing second a lot. He wasn't winning all the time. And it was starting to get a bit frustrating. And probably the Tour de France, I guess, a few years ago, you know, he was winning the green, but he just couldn't nail the stages. But he was always there. And I think he's learnt that. And you get a bit older and uh, a bit wiser, and he's still young. He's 27, I think. Kino that said this in a coverage saying, you know, the best years for a rider is 27 to 32. Yeah. He's just reaching 27. Phenomenal. Do you think it's also that he's accepted and learnt how to lose? Uh, and that's why he's even more successful. Because uh, one thing I like to tell riders that ask for advice uh, is that you need to be happy to lose to, to win because a lot of the time when they go to a race, they'll be racing in better competition. You can't control those guys all the time, very much similar to Sagan. He's, he's only really got himself at the Worlds. So you can't control what those teams and that team and that team's going to do. You can't trace all these guys. You can't get on the front and chase. So it's, it, for a major part, you've got to accept if they stay away and win or if this rider wins, good on them. Mm. And accept that. So you're actually accepting that losing is okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've just got to, you've got to play your cards and, and accept the decisions you make in the race. And you can't sort of go later on, ah, you know, could have, should have, and would have. Now, we all, we've, all, we've all got uh, people that we know that are on the should have, could have, and would have side. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the actual uh, role that he plays in that whole scene of cycling. You know, we've got Christopher Froome as uh, the image he's got in cycling. And then the role Sagan as They're sort of yeah. a bit Jekyll and Hyde of, uh, of this world Who's of cycling. Who's Jekyll? I know, that's your question. <laughs> Who's Jekyll? <laughs> you stole my question. <laughs> uh, so you answer it. <laughs> okay. Well, which one's the crazy one? Jekyll. Is it's it? Jekyll, isn't no, it? Yeah, I don't well, know. I thought you were saying which one's the crazy one in Sagan it, and yeah, Froome. And I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah, no, I'm actually not convinced that Sagan is more normal than Froome because, and, and I've mentioned this before, what I really like about Sagan is he's not structured. It's not like a, a, a book that's already been written. He follows a script. He, he's leery. He's exciting. He does strange stuff. And, and for a lot of the English culture, you look at some of the videos he's done, you go, geez, that doesn't make sense. But you find yourself watching it another 10 times and then you find yourself <laughs> liking it. Mind you, with, with Chris, it's more of this conservative. It's always dot, dot, dot. There's always a structure. There's always the perfect. It's always the politeness. There's not you know, the mess-ups. You want to see a person mess up because that makes them normal. And that makes them comparable to you who's in the street. Mm. You're not the winner of the Tour de France, but if that guy can fall over his feet or, or, or trip over an untied shoelace, that makes him more attractable to you because you, you, you've done those similar things. Mm. With Chris, it's almost like he cannot do anything wrong. Very similar to, um, dare I say it, but Lance Armstrong. Nothing. He couldn't do a thing wrong. He could never do no, a we thing can, wrong. We can't say his name. We can't say his name. Can we? Yeah. <laughs> he, could ne- he, he could never do a thing wrong. But then once a brick fell down, it all falls down. Where I like Sagan because he, 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 he doesn't mind speaking his mind and sometimes it's seen as being the wrong thing he says, or, but he's very professional. He's the best representative we have for our, our sport of cycling. The character and the way he promotes sport and even the way that he sits with young fans and integrates with young fans because he wants to, not because it's best for his image. Sophie, is he not playing a role? I think he is. Sagan for me is an interesting one because I personally haven't worked very closely with him one-on-one. But I don't think, whereas, say, for example, Chris Froome, I have. So I, I understand 
Chris Froome, the image he he creates, understand how he markets himself. I think in sort of in general, sort of a one to one conversation, he's a bit more dare I say, genuine. As in, like it would just be as in, as you and I speak to each other. I mean, Chris underneath. The, he's very diplomatic and well-spoken service. There was an article in Ruler magazine recently with Richie Port, and Richie Port um, told this story about he and Froome went on a training ride and there was a snake that crossed their path and Froome got off his bike and just picked up the snake. Who does that? Like, yeah. no one does that. No way in Australia does it. A guy from Kenya. A um, guy from yeah. Kenya. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of like, I think, I mean, I haven't had a lot to do with him one-on-one, but initially it was because of the language barrier. He didn't speak English. His older brother, Uri, speaks Perfect English, <laughs> probably better than I do. <laughs> but he's always been, I think, like in a press conference, I've, I've actually never heard him say more than two sentences to an answer. And as he's gotten older and sort of more established as this sort of unofficial Peloton, I don't know if Peloton patrons still exist, but every answer is designed to entertain. He actually won't necessarily even answer a question. He'll just say something where he's like giving out crumbs and everyone's kind of like, it's like, to the star, to starving Great. people, and everyone's yeah. like just lapping it up. And in that do you, regard, do you like it or not? You look around a press room, and I've actually done this. I've kind of just stopped listening to whatever he's being asked. And you look around to your colleagues around the room, and he's entertaining them. He's not. Chris will answer like answer a question, just like to how honestly or to what degree is you know it's variable, but he still answers it. Whereas Peter will never really answer a question, or he'll give you like two words. Yeah, it was good. Pardon the like the accent, and that's still amusing because he's from this Eastern European background, which at least to a Western audience is foreign. And this was actually pointed out at the Tour de France this year because I always kind of just lapped that up like he was this innocent, sort of happy-go-lucky, really driven young man. But if you actually kind of look closely at even his social media pages, he's brilliant at product endorsements. He's got a ve- he's got a very strong whether he does or his team. They're quite big in, like, they know how to market him and his family. Well, I've, I've heard it's his wife who is right Kat behind is, all of that. Yeah, she's yeah. very savvy as well. I, I like the crumbs, given the crumbs. I really, I think that's but, actually but the perfect he, way to explain like, minimal... it. That makes us the pigeons, though. So. Yeah, 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 but yeah. that's all right because but we're eating it. <laughs> I think with that, I think a lot of the, a lot of the, the, questions that he's asked from the journos and reporters and whatever. And bear in mind, well, the last four or five years, I've interviewed him most days, or not most days, because in the end we get bored of interviewing, if I can say that, (laughs) because he's bored of the questioning. He gets bored. He is so bored. Whereas, say, Froome and these other people are very um, respectful and whatever of journos going, what was it like riding up that last five kilometres to Von 2, Chris? Can you tell us about that? And he gets it five times over and he answers it respectfully each time. Sagan just switches off. Yeah, he just yeah. says, I'll do so, this ten times this week. Ask this guy. I find <laughs> you've got to try and stimulate him. He's the hardest guy to interview because yeah. I go, if I ask him about, He's he's Ford Mustang or whatever that he's got. You know, he's got some American old car. That he's, yeah, yeah. He'll 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 get animated. But I've got to ask it in the right way. It's I can't sort of just throw it out there and expect this cool answer and funny answer. So he's a He's frank he's, he's pretty difficult. frank to deal with. Yeah. But even I mean and the tour itself is interesting because there's different types of media. So you go through um, you know, the TV mix zone and then mm-hmm. radio and then Press. print right at mm. the end. And the print area is after they've done two hours of TV and radio interviews is where I can't, I think you get sort of the more involved questions because you've already heard five times over all the answers to those sort of short soundbite. And even there, like he, he won't necessarily answer a question. And mm-hmm. I think it is, he can be a bit mood dependent as well. But the fact that he's such an enigma and I haven't really read that much about him either. There was one piece where someone, I can't remember, went, to see his family who still live in Slovakia. He's not there anymore. He's in, in Monaco. But um, 
not many people know about him. He's an entertainer, whereas I think someone like Froome is is drilled a lot more on, you know, Peter Sagan could get asked a tough question about Lance Armstrong or about doping. Mm-hmm. And he'll kind of, he can either make you feel really offhand quite quickly or he'll give a comical answer, whereas, or, or just not get pressed. Whereas Froome, it's like, no, you'll you know, answer this. Yeah. Okay. One uh, last question before we go through Matthews. What's next for, for Sagan? He's already the super favorite for next year. Um, but what's next in between? Rubai. Yeah, good answer. I agree. Rubai. Yeah. Rubai, Rubai or Flanders? And, and Rubai's the one he wants. Mm. Rubai's the one he wants. You mm. watch the way that he raced it this year, and he knew he was undermanned. He knew he had to do certain things to make it happen. And it's not going to get any easier next year because the whole point that he had to do the thing, the way that he had to race Rubai in that aggressive nature was because, plain and simple, every single rider wanted to follow him. And every single one of their domestiques was also following him. So he couldn't go anywhere. Um, and unfortunately, when he made the perfect move, his, his teammate punched it. And so then he punched it as well, following that. So he didn't have a lot of luck. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Crashed, mm. uh, punches, uh, teams working against him. So Rubase for me. And, and I think that it might take a few years. He might not do it next year, but it'll take him a few years. But the great thing is, like you said about Matty Cairns, saying 22 to th- 27 to 32. So that's five years of great entertainment. It's not bad, is it? He'll have a few more, few different goggles around his neck um, <laughs> promoting in that time. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be here to uh, detail all this. Yeah. The Ski goggles in the middle of summer. <laughs> Let's talk about Michael Matthews. Sophie, you had a chance to interview Michael. I uh, did. The interview is actually available on the SoundCloud uh, from Cycling Central, the full interview. Let's hear just a couple of uh, words from him. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel any extra pressure. I think um, the team atmosphere that we had there was really nice. Everyone was super motivated and, and believed in me that I would uh, deliver the best result possible. And, um, yeah, I think if you have a team like this around you that's not uh, putting any extra pressure on you, they just believe you, they believe in you that they, you'll do your best, then uh, that's all you can do, really. And from the way we all rode, uh, it was a really special race. So that was Michael Matthews interviewed by you, Sophie, talking about his expectation as becoming uh, as a favourite for this course. Uh, what did you take? of this interview? I think he was, he was not as reflective as I thought he, he might have been. He said he hasn't finished his season yet, so he's sort of not looking back. I think, like Sagan, he's getting a lot more confident. Uh, and you have to remember, he's only been with Sun Webb a year. I know it's not the World Championships, but he's had a lot of change the last couple of years. He certainly didn't have, in terms of talking about weight of expectation, You know, we heard he was quite confident in, in having that role on the team, in the national team. And I think that's something he's wanted for a couple of years now. So I think more than anything, that might have been a relief um, to him. Um, I in, We were talking about Peter Sagan as well and, and his style. I did try and draw him on that um, and just ask about, you know, because he and Sagan have gone toe-to-toe recently. And I wouldn't look at either of them and say, oh, they're similar personality types or similar riders. But, you know, I asked him, is this... Could this be the sports, you know, the new rivalry of a new generation? Because I know John Degenkolb is sort of in the same elk has certainly put himself in that um, category. But Michael was actually really quick to – he didn't really entertain that at all, actually. He was very, he was quick to sort of segregate himself and, and say we're not actually similar riders. But he's had a great season. I, I don't think he's, he's stopping yet. He's doing Lombardia and, and a, he's going to China, I think, for a race there. Yep. So his season's not over. I think he knows he made a mistake, but he was also very impressed. He talked at length about the team time trial win as well. So he Absolutely. came away. Did he really make a mistake, do you think? Well, oh, yeah, I thought yeah. a mistake was a big word, actually. But uh, Well, sorry. Uh, you, you had to try. No, no, you said it. I'm documenting it. Well, a mistake, but... Um, <laughs> it is on record. No. I mean, he, he's looked back at his performance and said, okay, my mistake was wrong. Jeez, oh, God. Um, 
he's gone back and maybe I could have done that differently. Yeah, that's what he said. But he's, so, he's also, so he's also justified it and said, well, this is why I did it. That's why I point you to it because that's right. He said, thank you. He said, uh, to give you I'll a chance to I'll have my gold star back, thanks. <laughs> he, well, he, he did. He, he, said he, had to, he, has, he said he had to attack at that point. Hang on, who are you talking about? <laughs> Matthews. Matthews. <laughs> Attack where? When he did the move. Yeah, in, the the time, yeah, in the sprint. Yeah, in the sprint. I was finish. comparing yeah. Sagan, who was yeah. totally hidden, to he Matthews did the... in the last lap or two laps. He was, you saw him. He was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stayed he did his last 200 much. metres right. He just wasn't quick enough. For me, it was the, the five hours prior. This is being hypercritical, just in case you're watching Michael. I'm a fan, but, you know, <laughs> I thought he sat too close to the front for a lot of the race. Um, he was on. He but was, he had to, though, in a way, don't you think? No, it's his style and you can't change someone's racing style and that's Michael's style. So Exactly, I think you're right there. It's his style because he does that. But he's he done that in to a go. lot of races. He does, he does, and it wins him a lot of races. So as I said, I'm being hypercritical, but I just think if he had a sat back 20th, 30th wheel rather than sitting second, third wheel, Michael can climb. Like he, he's, he's not your purest sprinter, so he didn't need to be second wheel at the base of the hill a lot of laps. Um, so I just reckon that took the edge off him. So but why, why would he do this? Is because it's his style, but does he feel in better control in, in yeah. of his own race? Yeah, you're staying out of trouble. Now, if he had have taken my advice and sat 20th wheel, he might have crashed. So, you know, it's, more it's a, a, more it's a, a European, Euro, More a European rider's characteristic to sit further back it's it's a kind of yeah. thing they learn it's almost like in australia you grow up racing in australia and you're always to the front because there's the such front. a uh, a discrepancy between your top 10 15 percent of riders and your next sort of 35 and then mm. your next 50 um and so you sort of learn and, and as australians it is a strong uh skill to have because in those sprint finishes and they they're used to banging bars and getting very close but i agree with you macri he wastes a lot of energy he knows he wastes a lot of energy too but ultimately as we've also said he's won a lot of races and and produced some really significantly brilliant results but you know what i think he should do in all seriousness michael matthews and i'm not sure who wants to broach this with him he should sell his name bling to Peter Sagan because ah. <laughs> bling doesn't really suit Michael. Oh, I think does. it suits Peter Sagan better. No, 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 no you're forgetting under 23. You two are Michael actually, Matthews. this is Come really on. crazy because because he's the guy that used to do the you shuffle. Interview him, in like you the... interview him, and he's not bling at all. I'm not saying he's not a really lovely guy. Go he's a co- lovely go, guy. Go have coffee with him midweek. Go have coffee with him midweek. I don't need to. No, no, sell the name now. Yes, but he's still. No, I think nah, he's still got the Way more bling. <laughs> nah, Come on. Sagan's more royalty than bling. Mm. You know, like okay. bling. I can see we're on completely <laughs> different wavelengths, so I'm happy to move it along, Christoph. Mackie didn't grow up like Eminem and like bad Let's American talk rappers. about Hustler. Because he had a big role. He played his role really well. Whether or not we had doubt before, I think we've been proven wrong. He didn't prove me wrong. I expected, I thought he would actually play the role and get through it. Um, you, you wouldn't put your hand up for one if you had the likes of Houseload. He's a top level. A lot of people were questioning his presence, even his presence in a team. Yeah, totally, totally. But they wouldn't have put him in and he wouldn't have put his hand up if he wasn't ready. He's a guy that's been at the pointy end of a lot of big bike races in his career. Is he not questioning his next years and in, in, in the world of cycling? Yeah, apparently he is. And in he hindsight, knowing him. that he went with Matthews earlier in the season to recon the course, and pretty clearly it's been stated that Matthews said that was the one guy who wanted to build his team around. So he said, Heinrich first and then build a team around me. The so. question mark is... And I, I didn't think about it in all the uh, kerfuffle of the women's team and then Hausler. Nathan Haas didn't get a start. 
No. You would have given him a start. I would have if I was a selector. Yeah, I would have. The hard I, question is who do you, who would you have left off? Well, I agree with you that he deserved to start, but w- what role does he play then? He probably would, you know, and he probably would have made it there to the end. He would have played the house the role. And I tell you what I like played... about Nathan Hass, and I can speak about him in this way because I've been at, on teams with him, is that uh, you give you give them a, a goal, and particularly if it's a goal that the team shouldn't succeed, he will bust his ass to make sure it happens. And Ooh. you go back to look at when he won the Sun Tour, you know, for Genesis Wealth Advisors, you know, Saxo Bank, Garmin, Oracle were all there. Well, look at his year. Recent and he, form and he his year was, he had a pretty good season. He was good at Amstel Gold. He was good at, was it Flesh or Liège? Or... He had about 20 top 10s. Yeah. He's, this season. Like... He should have been there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack but... Hague was good, though. Jack Hague was brilliant. brilliant. Simon Clark did another great uh, role, yeah. and obviously he's got a lot of experience there. You know, he was a, a fundamental part of Cadell Evans' victory. You know, they built a really good squad around it. Ultimately, I know that, Matthew says he's not very much like Sagan. Well, they're exactly the same. Have a look how Matthew's won his green jersey this year at the Tour de France. It was the Sagan, Sagan uh, uh, t- tactic. But Sagan's better at this point. He's better at this point. And he's, um, and, but Matthews is going to get better. He's got, a, he's got a problem on his hands, though, Michael Matthews, because Peter Sagan's 27. So he's got the best years ahead of him, yeah. and so but, is Michael. Yeah. So he's got a battle on his hands. Okay, let's talk about the women's racing. A uh, fantastic win for Team Netherlands with Chantal Black. The team works so well together. Uh, so Chantal Black is the world champion. But Catherine Garfoot, the Australian, has finished in the silver medal position, second. Guys, I'm going to put that question to you. Were we just too worried about the performance of this Australian team? Uh, i got a couple of things to say on it. One is, lucky the seven went, because if it was only five and they got the result that they got, then they would have been jumping up and down, and so would have us. We all would have been jumping up and down, I think, saying you should have had seven there. So lucky for CA and Simon Jones that they made the right decision. And two, I actually think now CA as a collective should put their hands up and say, you know what, publicly we got it wrong. We did get it wrong. We should have always picked seven. In fact, they're allowed to have eight. We should, we should have always picked seven. We apologise to the women, and we're glad they proved us wrong. We're on the same side, and now we look forward to moving forward with the women's team because I think they've got to bring back the respect. I still don't think they'd have the full respect of the women's team because they had a great result. The women internally, their group, they'd be they're going to be high fiving each other and the general public, which, which is most important. But the respect it is. side is it is a fundamental part. You need your coach and managers on your side Definitely. of any team. Doesn't yeah. matter what sport, don't you? You want you want to feel that they are with, backing you with that, and I, I totally agree, hundred percent. Yeah. On the Simon, I thought like, you were going to disagree. I was waiting no, for boring. a big. No, yeah. this, this is garbage. What I'd like to say is that I saw a lot of photos come through and uh, images and footage of Simon Jones carrying wash bags and backpacks as like a swan year role. Look, as a leader of the high performance unit, you wouldn't really see that all that often. So. You know, he's cutting costs in a lot of ways. It looked like he was pulling a fair bit of weight himself at the championships. I totally agree with you. It's it, the, the team needs to be shown that, okay, you put your hand up, particularly the two extras that came in, Hosking and Nalan, because Nalan was brilliant. Um, not to say Hosking wasn't. No, but she, Nalan, she had a ride yeah, her role, yeah, that's right, that's Hosking. Right. Yeah, that's right. I thought she was but great. But Nalan was brilliant, mm. and they deserve a pat on the back. And hands down, the women's race is the most exciting road race of the championships. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, wasn't it? Outside yeah. of, I really enjoyed the men's time trial too, though, up to 
climb at the mm. finish. But the women's race was in, it was brilliant, and um, and 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 really we got the success. I think we still could have got it with five, but you are one hundred percent right. With five, they finished second. Yeah, it would have been would have been a hunting. Yeah, hunting people with pitchforks. Yeah. We're the CEO offices. <laughs> and, and, and the stakes of fire. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I would have been. I would have been at the front too. <laughs> so overall, we had a good week in Bergen and a great great championship. Did you guys all enjoy it? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. What's the highlight? You think? I think the Dutch team has to be the highlight. Yeah, you know what else? Say on, on the crowds. They the, were the, amazing, the and that phenomenal. didn't surprise me because you can go to the Tour de France every year, and there's like two Norwegian riders in the tour, and it, like you can't go more than a block without seeing a Norwegian fan. In fairness, we turn back the clock to when Geelong had the World Championships. There was a bloody huge crowds there too. I think what it shows is that if you branch out and take the World Championships to places that don't get the access to these high-level stars that they watch all year. And they, and there's so many people out there now, Norwegian, Australian, for example. We've got people in Australia that are so immersed in this cycling fraternity. They follow the women, the men, every ride. They know what day they're born. They're wishing them happy birthday on the social medias. It's so much bigger than it ever was before. And I just think that this shows the UCI that branching outside of France, Italy, Spain in particular yeah. shows it can get great results. France, Italy, Spain got a World Tour uh, Grand Tour mm. every year. I so mean, look you... at look at how um, successful uh, Qatar was. Well, Oops, I, just, I just heard, I just I just heard <laughs> crickets. Something was there. I was waiting for something. It. I mean, the crowds were, they were. It was something different, wasn't it? The crowds. But that was like a lockout too. There though, wasn't it? Like the well, way it was that it was ridiculous. set up, it was a joke. But. Um, It'd be great to it's get It's not the about the back. money, money. But... Oh, whoops. Anyway. Well, if it was about the money, the tour would be staying in Qatar next year. <laughs> uh, next day, we are going to Austria for the, uh, for the World Championship, another country that loves cycling. Yes, Innsbruck, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, it is a beautiful spot. We used to have a base there. It is surrounded by mountains. High, I mean, Austria. There's not a flat piece of road apart from through the valleys, isn't it? So... Yeah, interesting. The, co- oh. the course is a bit like a mustic. It's just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and okay. down. A bit like Toblerone, actually. Yeah. Uh, Richie <laughs> Porter, right. Richie Porter like go. that. Richie yeah. But um, guy you mentioned, Nathan Haas, I tell you what, mm. he gets a, a good season under the belt. I think they'll still take Matthews next year again. Similar sort of race. I think Sagan will be a favourite next year in the men's. But Nathan Haas, you know, if, if he just changes 5%, he could be just as uh, equally, uh, might even have a shared role with the leadership and that would be massive to see his growth in uh, professional cycling mm. okay well you know what this is almost concluding the the season of cycling there's a few a few more races to to come we'll have a look at all this straight after the break don't you dare go anywhere sometimes you just can't get outside for a ride because it's either late at night or the weather is just horrible or you have other family commitments the beauty of zwift is you can zwift at any time of day for however long you like There's always a community of friendly cyclists and competitors waiting to take on the roads of Watopia or Richmond, where the World Championships were held in 2015. Perfect for the time-crunched athlete or new cyclist. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, let's have a look at uh, any other business, any other races. I know Cummins won at the Giro della Toscana. Uh, that's an interesting win. Any other uh, big racing uh, on the calendar for this end of the season? We've got the last monument left. 
don't we? The fifth Lombardia, one? Lombardia, yeah, yeah. Lombardia, yeah. Lombardia. I always get to this point of the season. I, I'm a – the cycling season is too long subscriber. Okay. Um, sort of get to the World Tour and the Worlds and – I get a bit tired, but um, <laughs> we all think it's finished. After well, Lombardy is it's, kind of, it's a monument, but for me personally, it doesn't have that sort of revere as some of the others. Yes, have, you know. it it doesn't, but it does it does in Italy, and it I think it still does to the riders. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, oh, 100% um, yeah. to the riders. Yeah. yeah, but it hasn't got. For, yeah, you're right. It hasn't got Paris Roubaix, Milan San Remo sort of uh, Mind level. You, it's just as hard to win. Yeah, you know, they've totally. fought for that harder than. They fight for that harder than most of the others, and uh, mm. it's going to be a really hot contested battle. And actually, in fact, and it seems strange, but a lot of the time it's not a rider that's done the World Championships or done well at the World Championships that wins Lombardia. So uh, you can't really run your form line on it, mm. but what it is, it's always an exciting finish. Okay. Anything else? Uh, a bit of you going to China? Yes. Lake Taihu. Taihu. How do you say it, Shuri? Oh, got, whatever, got, mate. You, you, speak, go week, you, to, you go a week to work this out? Yes. <laughs> no, look, Asian cycling is – I raced there a bit in my career, and you would have as well. It's um, it's great. I'd, you know what I'd love to see? I can't wait, and it will happen one day, when a Chinese rider or a Japanese rider wins a stage of the Tour de France because that's when – Asian cycling will go bang at the next well, level. The day that happens, <laughs> because there's so many smaller tours, uh, sort of second tier races in China, Qinghai Lake, which is in during the Tour de France, which is still quite a big tour, Tour of Japan, Tour de Langkau, which it's been going for years in Malaysia. Korea. Korea, there's a it's lot. It's crazy. It yeah, is, and they just need they oh. just need a hero, like a real hero, you know, yeah, a it, Tour de France star who wins a stage and so – I want that to happen. It's absolutely incredible. Like uh, when you race into Seoul in the Tour of Korea or even in Tokyo for the the Tour of Japan, which sounds stupid because all of their tours finish in the major capital. Mm. And so you go in there and there are people everywhere. And I've spoken to a a few that speak English and they reckon the big reason why they attend cycling events is because it's free admission. It doesn't cost anything to go to cycling. And they love it. They all want the signature of the riders. And if you go back year after year, it is the most strangest thing. With so many inhabitants, you know, so bigger population, they find you every single year. Remember me last year? Photo. They draw up little cartoons. They'll bring them to the team. They make posters up. It's and it's big, 12 yeah. months since they saw you. They didn't see you between then. <laughs> but it's amazing. The mm. Asian following of cycling is huge. Brilliant. Uh, let's have a listen to this as well. What happened last Saturday. Uh, Pat, you were in a competition for the E-Crit from Zwift. Here we go. This is the final lap, Wes. And we're going to ring oh, a bell, sorry. Ring-a-ding-ding. And we are under the banners there. So if you can hear that in the mic. This is the very end, last four kilometers of the race. And we've got a three-man group off the front now. Pat Shaw, the ex-pro. You got Aaron Dunn, the man who can ride and talk and breathe for days. And Anthony Vegan Porsche. We are getting close, and this is really going to come down the wire. Pat Shaw hasn't been as aggressive as we've seen him in some of the other races here on the E-Crit series. What's going on here? Looks like Pat Shaw has gone with the aeropower. Look at that go. We can hear the crowd downstairs. Go, Pat, go. There you we go. can hear the crowd downstairs. This is awesome. 12-1. Aaron Dunn on the back. He knows he's got to catch up. But Pat Shaw is the king of attacking from far out. We've seen him go from 800 meters, 1K. Oh, and Aaron Dunn versus Siano. But Pat Shaw has got 400 meters to go. But he's only got four seconds. Aaron Dunn oh, is coming back. It looks like Aaron Dunn is coming back. This is really going to hurt. Look at oh, Dunn. Go, Look go. at that. What a what finish. finish. What a finish. What a finale. Woo. Don takes the win, Siano second place, and Pat Shaw third. How hard was this? Very, very hard. Okay. Oh, 
legs are burning, lungs. Oh, thank you, Swift, for putting on a great event. Uh, great training tool. Uh, amazing for weight loss and increased power. Just awesome night. Pat, you finished third on that uh, on that night. Only uh, third. Uh, how Gee. hard was this, and how painful was it? Hey, Macca, that hurt a lot less than actually finishing third, mate. Nah, to be honest. It's one of those things we knew what the scenario was. The Wolfpack had four riders and a few helpers at home, but they deserve it. They raced the best throughout the series. I had a lot of fun. It was great fun and a hugely successful evening. Uh, the crowd was wild. You know, I threw down the I threw down the, the Flem Rouge uh, um, kilometre to go, Ultimo Kilometro, and... Uh, just, and you went close. Just right? didn't have the legs. No, nah, I didn't have the legs. It's, it's that moment where you're 300 metres to go, Mac, and you think, yeah, it's, it's not happening. And uh, yeah, I, pu- I punched, punched <laughs> I don't know, punched, was... the, punched the pedals. But uh, Aaron Dunn was uh, the better rider on the night. And, and he, where and, was he? Uh, in the pack, getting the lead out. Yeah. Where, where, where was he Taxi. actually? Oh, yeah. Well, there's only six of us left, so I hit a K out. It's, it's you know, it's not your standard racing, Maggie. You can't run your <laughs> tactics around the road. There's none of this blocking a rider, you know, or uh, or trying to hold him up for a late sprint and having to do a smaller gear. Any of those tactics out the window. So. Went long, finished third. It was a great night, and um, it just was the climax of what was a really great series. I came in the middle of it, but um, so much camaraderie too. We all got off. Everyone fun. had a lot of, you know, it was back and forth, but a lot of people, we'd never met each other, the 10 finalists, and then we all met. It was. It actually is, you can see why Zwift is so successful. And uh, as I mentioned, for me, I've used it as an outlet. Once a week, get on the bike, have a race. Don't have the opportunity, don't have the time now. So just get on there, have a race. It's really good for not only your physical health, but also mental health. And just enjoyed it. Just a lot of fun. And it was great to have you there. And um, I know you're a bit of a highlight for the fans too. They like to have a bit of a European touch (laughs) to the evening. We're walking around with your red cordial. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I had a beer actually. Some good beer actually. (laughs) Look, what was great is to have you all guys in this podcast. We are reverting into a fourth nightly podcast because this is the end of the season so it's been a privilege to talk to you uh, and then hopefully we'll see you a bit more Sophie thank you for coming always a pleasure likewise look forward to the new season ahead and Pat yeah it's always a pleasure (laughs) to be here guys thanks and this is it for Zwift Cycling Central podcast for today hope you enjoyed the show don't forget that you can download this podcast and any other podcast on SoundCloud soundcloud.com slash cycling central find it on our website sbs.com.au slash cycling central schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift and subscribe on any of your preferred platform what is left for me to say it's goodbye for now and we'll see you next time bye bye